0: sure we're live by now with episode five of ben around the world with myself dan formless and the main man ben bowler who is cycling around the world uh i actually wasn't on episode four and i'm trying to check (laughs) my ego at the door um, for not being included but um ben is uh, a master of his own destiny he is uh, currently in india i believe and yeah. before we go over to Ben for him to update us on where he's got to, uh, I should introduce my father, Alexander Quentin Jones, doctorate in physics from Oxford University, major academic, um, now retired, living, sunning himself in the Philippines and visiting me for Christmas. Um, and uh, he's going to sit in and maybe interject at certain points and then I'll be like, Dad, don't be so embarrassing. But, um, <laughs> I, I kind of had him tucked in the corner and then I realized that's really, really bad. To just yeah. put him father in the corner. So yeah. I put him on the sofa with me.
1: Surprise guest. Yeah. So the reason that uh, I, I've done a podcast without you is that I did, I, I think I mentioned it briefly when we failed to do a podcast before, while I was in, uh, in Northern Goa, but uh, I basically started an interview series and I, I, I kind of, uh, I'm denied a bit about whether to include it in this podcast or whether to spit it out as a new one so for this one I just chucked it in with the main feed and put it on YouTube live just like this Um, but the idea is that already in the 7,000 kilometers that I've traveled I've met a lot of cool cyclists and other adventurers uh, of different types and so I want an excuse to chat to them Uh, and so this guy Alex I met actually I didn't meet directly but I was uh, introduced to him through uh, it's another cyclist i did meet on the road and he's a british guy who's cycling around the world in 180 days i think really powering pace <laughs> and uh so i caught up with him from uh on the border with thailand from a hotel room um over 4g and amazingly it was better than the wi-fi that i had in goa um but yeah we didn't we did about a 50 minute long interview chatting more specifically and more directly about what it's like to to do an adventures like this so uh yeah, there's there's space for that. And then there's space for our catch ups as always.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I've just got to wind my neck in basically I kind of, <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a control freak because you know, from I'm like, running Hoxton FM and, and telling DJs what to do every day for six years, um, we should probably recap. I mean, are you gonna, are you gonna stick in the, you know, when people do really cool YouTube videos and they go, and if you missed the uh, previous episodes, oh, yeah. you click up here in the top corner Um, Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: You should should totally add that up here right now for maybe the playlist. Right now, up here, or up here, or up here. Yeah, well,
1: interestingly, with with my daily diaries, I'm actually still fairly behind. So today I've published the um, Istanbul, the Ride into Istanbul, which uh, still was, well, yeah, that was at the end of the summer uh so i'm about 6 months behind but i'm releasing one video a week like we talked about uh when we had had the last catch up um but yeah i've since our last podcast i can't even remember where i was i think i was in uh the co-working space in georgia that was very loud because they they uh double booked my meeting room which i was very upset about so i was sitting in the corner trying to trying to hear you trying to get people to not disturb me while i was podcasting but um but since then Yeah, so the plan was to cycle through Iran, but because I'm uh, winging it in a lot of respects, I didn't really look ahead at visa requirements. And uh, unfortunately, if you're from the UK, Canada or America, you have to have a full-time escort um, whenever you're in Iran. So I met a lot of German cyclists and uh, Dutch cyclists on the road who are just pedaling off towards the border, of Iran, which is really upsetting because I, uh, unfortunately not able to do that unless I, I can pay my own personal, um, supervisor for the entire time, which is not, a, uh, not, not on the cards at the moment. So, uh, since then I, uh, finished off my work in, uh, for the month in Georgia and I've got uh, a new business announcement around that, which we're going to talk about. And then I got on a plane to, uh, from Georgia to Mumbai by Qatar, um, which was, actually I keep saying to people it's much harder work for me to fly than it is for me to cycle which seems ridiculous but the amount of work that goes into packing up my 52 kilograms of bike and kit um, and lugging it to the airport and checking it in at a variety of special gates and having to get taken down to the plane while I unpack it and figure out why I'm carrying a giant box with a ton of batteries and a bottle with petrol <laughs> petrol residue inside it and all this kind of stuff um and then pick it up at the other end cast it to where i'm going put it all back together and risk things getting bent and broken um it was actually much harder work i think to fly <laughs> from mumbai to to uh sorry from uh georgia to mumbai than it would have been to to cycle that distance and i'm quite upset to miss uh, cycling in that part of the middle east to be honest but uh, i've got plans to return with a guided trip in maybe however many years it takes me to get around the world back to the Middle East again. Um,
0: do so you want to do a top up at the end?
1: Yeah, I feel like it. I mean, it's, it's I always, feel
0: complete as you do it that way, is that,
1: it's not necessarily complete completism. It's more, it's more just like here again, part of this thing about meeting other travelers on the way is I've heard some really amazing stories and you know, I'm again, I met these guys that are currently going for the tandem world record. In fact, in the next, week or two will know if, they, if they're world record holders, um, but they, they went through Russia, and I had no plans at all to, to go to touch Russia on this trip, but they gave me such amazing stories just in the 15 minutes you we were chatting by the side of the road about Russia and the hospitality there, that I'm just looking at the maps now and trying to figure out how, how an around-the-world trip, the plan that I've got, would I end up cycling through sub-Siberian Russia um, as part of it, so perhaps there's an extra loop on the end if I still don't feel like coming back to, to London.
0: So yeah, we should probably Obviously. just do a, a super concise recap. Mm. Ben is cycling around the world for the next year, or two, maybe longer. Um, he, he's been already been very successful in his life, and he's um, got numerous things under his belt, including Two TV, which is uh, how I met him, and how uh, Hoxton FM would post all their videos on, on their website. Um, so you created a, a platform for uh, DJs to stream themselves and have total independence and do whatever they want. Um, and you're not only cycling around the world, you're you're basically running two startups um, as a kind of satellite <laughs> worker. You've you've brought your paraglider, yeah. which for any non paragliding person, yeah. it's a parachute that you couldn't jump out of a plane with, but you could jump off of a hill or a cliff with um yes so you're, you're every opportunity you you're, you're, you're jumping off of off of high places um you're studying for a degree at lse um yeah
1: lse with the university of london
0: yeah have i missed anything
1: um i don't know so yeah cycling a lot in there in the interim i, I was trying to run a marathon but unfortunately uh, i had to cancel that because i sprained my leg But yeah, that's enough to do. I have to say I've been really, uh, really, especially the last few weeks, I've really been feeling the amount of uh, work I've given myself to do. But uh, Yeah. Yeah,
0: But you're kind of pushing yourself and then you'll find where to adapt. And what I love is you've got kind of an idea of what you want to do. But then if you're like, oh, I really want to go to Russia now, Mm. then you kind of adjust it and you're not giving yourself any kind of deadlines, so to speak. Um, And I should add one other thing. My dad has actually been to Iran, haven't you? How long ago was that? 1966. So,
2: 1966.
0: Silk Road. So he he went on the yeah. Silk Road, and uh, you're gonna to have to speak up a little bit, Dad. Um, yes. So what was the highlight of Iran?
2: Um, not being banned. All of all the French bands had their route marked on them, all the way to India. But the Shah decided, in his wisdom, that vans were full of hippies, so they never got to India.
0: So you snuck, So you what you were They weren't allowed through.
2: Yes, and you usually to have had similar problems cycling around. Yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. I, the car I was in was a brand new, two CV, five days old. Got written off by a lorry. Oh, had a massive car-, car crash there. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you had a massive car crash with your best friend. Yeah. And
0: you guys were laid up in hospital.
2: Well, we ended up in a maternity clinic, and the, <laughs> the girls were laughing because we had holes in our jeans where the battery acid had made holes. Oh, wow. But this was wow. the days of the benign Shah mm. who had very strict police. Well it's it's much slacker now, isn't it then? <laughs> no,
0: it is. <laughs> oh, man. Public hangings. Public hangings. So so um so you, you haven't got necessarily very fond memories if you had the massive oh, car crash.
2: Well Iran's a lovely country and they're lovely people and they have lovely mm. carpets. So yeah, so that's nice about the politics. Yeah, politics ruins yeah. everything. Anyway, yeah. yeah and so, the
1: car crash um, is scary um, as well in uh, in the biking context. So I have to say that's one of the things that I could probably, if I wanted to rate each country from in from the context of a cycle tourist, like one of the key metrics that I'd rate a country with would be the friendliness of uh, of, tr- of truck drivers. <laughs> um, oh right. <laughs> which, which that interestingly, sounds
0: really that sounds really yeah.
1: dodgy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the danger. of okay, so the,
0: the first, the first one of these that we did, we we went on way too long, and then yeah. we started to really improve. And it's a bit like your um, your cycling weight, and I don't mean your personal weight, but <laughs> when you set off, how heavy was your was your whole kind of bike and, and everything?
1: Well, I never really weighed it up front or weighed everything together. So I because I didn't have to fly anywhere or anything. I just and I had the bike in my flat. So I made the mistake of just um, sitting on Amazon while I was supposed to be studying, actually. <laughs> and uh, every time I had a great idea about something I'd need on the road, I would just press by and it would turn up at the flat the next day and uh, I'd stick it in the panniers. But by the time I left, like if you see the photos from the day um, riding out from Buckingham Palace, I didn't have enough room for everything. And like I had shoes tied on the outside of the bag the bags. And by the time I got to Germany, there were some real problems with the bag, like just kind of falling off as I accelerated and brakes on the top. Um, but when I, even when I weighed it in Qatar, I mean, in Georgia for the flight with, with Qatar, um, my all in weight that I cut it to was 52 kilos. And that's without any water, which obviously, you know, if I carry three, four liters of water, that's three or four kilos. And without petrol, which is, again, about a kilo, about um, 800 milliliters of petrol and, um, uh, and food, no food in that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's like 50, 52 kilos dry and then maybe over 55 kilos uh, with all of the food and water in it. Or at least it was until I sort of got to India and decided that I was going to clear some stuff out.
0: So what have you ditched? What, what so, surprising things have you thrown away or, or sent home?
1: So early on, I sent, we mentioned about how I'd sent some stuff home, like around the camera kit. So I've, um, I I'd had a kind of a micro, uh, micro format, micro four thirds, uh, Sony camera, which was, um, was like reasonable. It wasn't like a top of the line one. And I was going to use that for the videos that I've made. But um, I ended up, going with uh, just taking the iPhone and filming with that in the end, mainly because actually the videos turned out better because I'm not, I can't, while I'm cycling along, I'm not kind of manually focusing, manually setting white balance for the, of the camera. Um, so the iPhone actually generally gets that stuff right in its automatic mode um, for the, those kind of videos, really. So that was the kind of the early stuff I got rid of. Um, but really most of the stuff that I got rid of this journey was a little bit of sentimental stuff, a little bit of camera kit and a little bit of um tools basically so i i've so far along the road i've dealt with a few punctures but doing pretty well um i've changed the brake pads a couple of times already because they wear out nice and quickly going down big especially with that
0: weight weight on there yeah
1: absolutely and um what else have i changed that's about it i've luckily i haven't had to change anything like gear cables or anything yet Um, but just as I got to India, I've had to replace I'm replacing the bottom bracket, which is the main kind of bearings there. So going through all that, I looked at all the tools I brought with me, which I've got tools for absolutely everything. And the one the thing that um I've kind of worked out that I won't need to replace if it breaks until I or I can I can make do with until I reach a city um, is the main kind of sprocket on the back. So there's a couple of specialized tools you need to get the main gears off the back of a bike, and I've chuck those. What's called a chain whip, which might be useful with uh, with those friendly truck drivers, and a uh, and a little special tool to to undo the the lock basically on it. Um, so I've got rid of those to start with, and I'm going to experiment with just maybe losing some more tools as I go along, because actually, every you know within 500 kilometers of everywhere I've been so far, there's a um, there's a decent bike shop, and I've been to a lot of them now. I, I tend to scope out a good bike shop in each city, so. Um, yeah, a lot of my weight is tools and I'm gradually starting to lose those. Uh, in terms of the other stuff, I've dropped some camera kit. So I had a gorilla pod, like a tripod. It wasn't heavy, it's just more bulky. Um, and I sort of was sticking it on the outside of my bags, but I really wasn't finding that I was using it. I filmed a couple of shots of like me cycling past for the net for the coming videos um, in Eastern Turkey, which uh, will be coming out in the next, next two months uh, each week on a Wednesday. Um, but yeah, mainly I found that I could just stick it on a brick or on the, on the the in a tree or whatever to get the same shots. So just having that weight of space was a bit much. And the same with the shoulder strap for the GoPro for paragliding. I've just got a super lightweight chest strap now, which I'm going to start um, playing with, again, for, for more of the paragliding videos, which are coming soon. And then the final category is more sentimental stuff. So there's this book called The Adventure Cycle Touring Handbook, which is what really inspired me to... Uh, to get into into this whole thing really along with the whole thing about getting the frame uh, for my birthday present for my dad uh, when I was 17 or 16 actually. But, uh, but as I was going along, I was gradually kind of putting in postcards and flyers and things, uh, tickets of places, places I'd gone um, into the physical book, the the original one that I had. Um, But it's just getting ridiculous. It was just adding up to a lot of space and the Kindle version is, uh, is, you know, $4.99 Four ninety nine so in terms of the sort of sentimental value I was getting out of carrying that versus the weight that I was carrying up every single hill i've um, i've uh, I've left that behind. and the same for uh, uh, the eye of Horace, which I got from a market in Istanbul that was seeing me safely through through uh, through Turkey. Uh, i I left that, donated that to the co-working space I was in uh, last week. And I, I may get some decorations for the bike. I quite like having some, some, uh, some decorations as I go along. I like these trucks that are going around uh, here in India with the sort of crazy tinsel and stuff like that. So, um, and the sort of Hindu style, like orange flowers. I'm not sure what they are. I'm going to try and get some of those for the bike now. But uh, yeah, I've, I've left my eye of Horace behind for this leg. So all in all, I think I've probably saved probably only like a couple of kilo, kilograms, really. But I've saved a lot of space along the way. And uh, I think I've just changed my attitude a little bit to start thinking about that a little bit more because especially speaking to Alex where his kit, he said that his kit was all in all eight kilograms, but I think it's a little bit more than that now. Um, But yeah, considering just my paraglider alone, it's eight, nine kilograms. Uh, It's a bit of an eye opener. He's not
0: a paraglider, so he doesn't.
1: doesn't No, yeah. He doesn't Um, have a laptop or a a working stuff or or a paraglider. (laughs) Uh, but
0: you're using that super thin uh, 10 inch is it 10 inch 12 what is it the
1: macbook i'm using the yeah the macbook adorable is uh, what i've heard it calls which i think is a good description for it um actually i'm quite impressed by it it's it's done me well for for the work that i do um like the the business side but also programming i seem to get away with it on just about sometimes uh, it's a little bit slowed down and the same for video editing i'm really surprised i've got I use Insta360, as, as you do, um, and I, you know, I've know i been experimenting with these slow TV uh, videos where I literally take, unedited, the big rides or big flights. So, so far, I've, I think I've published, so yes, I've published my flight in Menorca, a full 20, 30-minute flight, so you can see exactly what it's like <laughs> paragliding. Um, so, wait a minute, that's, that's,
0: raw, that's raw footage, or you've time-lapsed, like, sped it up, or what?
1: No, so it's that I've try, I'm sort of taking that concept of uh, of the of the Norwegian slow TV, right, where you can you can watch a boat go through the fjords for, for two days solid, and it's like a live visual mix of just the boat, like real time going through the <laughs> through the fjords. And uh, I saw one, which is, is totally another level, but they did one with Maurer and the Maurer brothers, who are the the world the world's top level paraglider pilots. And they did an eight hour flight through the Alps, which is absolutely stunning. I mean, they did it on a huge budget. So they had a helicopter circling them with a a camera on a gimbal. They had uh, multiple cameras over themselves and um, they had microphones. So you can hear him talking about which line he's taking and how he's picking up thermals and all that kind of thing. But um, for me, it's more just uh, a lot of people ask what it's really like in certain parts of the trip and certain parts of what flying is like. and so. I've just put it out there to see what the response is. I think the most one, the one I've hear about the most is people say a lot about, um, talk a lot about what it's like to ride in, in Istanbul and in Mumbai. So I've done two videos, uh, slow TV videos. One of which came out today, which is the my forty minutes of riding into Istanbul. So you can at sunset, which um, unfortunately the camera was a little blurry. That I think I hadn't cleaned the lens on the Insta three hundred and sixty, but it gives it a nice sort of a uh, nice sort of. Uh, yeah what's the Romantic. term soft,
0: yeah, yeah, soft.
1: <laughs> yeah view of what it's like and i there's also you know the real aspect of of a turkish driver shouting at me which i hope i hope um, i can get someone to translate when i put the video up because i had no idea what he was trying to say and um and Is also riding like,
0: out we, we on the right here or something like. that.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 that was it
0: <laughs> so how, how friendly how, are you going to do your friendliness ratings of uh, <laughs> of each city or each, each country
1: yeah I mean in terms of trucks the actually a lot of people kind of not warned me against but warned me in general about riding in India and so far I've only ridden for five days I've, I left Mumbai and rode to to go where I am now um, about two weeks ago I left and uh, that was my first experience riding in this country which is an amazing shift from Europe and and from even from Turkey the the trucks here are massive and very like uh i'm not sure if they're necessarily old but they're just quite like um solid and chunky and spew fumes out the side um but very colorful as well absolutely adorned, like i say with tinsel and and uh hand painted in a lot of the time but uh i've not been as worried about trucks here than i was in Ist- in turkey weirdly because i just found a different level of um of sort of a feeling of aggression and i'm not sure how it's i suppose it's quite subjective how you feel in a country um especially on a bike which is quite exposed but in turkey sort of nine out of ten trucks would be fine they'd pass really wide but then one in ten would just cut not budge an inch so they'd literally be about one two foot away from you and they'd just wait until they were just behind and then just ram the horn on solid and it got to the point where I got was getting really like wound up by this because it's happening on quite a regular basis. Um, I definitely hadn't like wasn't channeling my mindfulness, cycling meditation at that point. But um, but here in India, like they, they it's almost uh, comical how the the drivers use use their horns. So like you they, they they go on the horn to say you know I'm going around the corner. They go on the horn to say I can see you. They go into the they go on the horn to say i'm cu- i'm part going past you they go on the horn to say i've passed you so basically you just hear this kind of you can you can just hear around you and i, I was a bit concerned because i didn't really see anyone looking back over their shoulder um while they were driving at all in uh, or driving mopeds or trucks or anything but uh it's because there's like this soundscape where you can hear where everyone is on the road which is a different use i think of the horn because in england if someone beeps at you you get really offended because it's like an aggressive thing whereas here it's a, it's just an urgency. announcement that you're coming, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the norm, basically. So I've yeah. not found it too bad.
0: Yeah, it's the same. It's the same kind of in the Philippines when I when I visit my dad. Then um, if yeah, any hesitation, anything at all, you're just gonna beep on your horn if you're driving. Yeah. A, yeah. A moped or a car or whatever. If you're going past kids playing on the side of the road, if there's a dog within like twenty feet of the road, yeah. it's that. Yeah, all these things. Um, so let's let's uh, keep it moving, so to speak. Um, so we, we've got I've got on your, your list. You've got getting hassled. Have I skipped past anything there? Uh,
1: no. It's just um. It's just I think yeah. I skipped a little bit of the what it was like to arrive in Mumbai, and I think one of the things that I haven't appreciated um, so far about cycling is that is that it's a really nice pace to to. Um, switch between culture to culture. So when, when you're riding, like it, when it, it took me you know four weeks to get across Europe, six weeks to get across in, uh, across Turkey. And I think when you you experience those those changes in culture quite gradually, I think the biggest change so far in culture was crossing the border into Turkey and like hearing the call to prayer for the first time, and getting really emotional and like just going to shops and not understanding what anything was, trying to find a cash machine, just like not even knowing what what they look like, where to find them, like going to the places where you'd find them in the UK and there's just not a cash machine there. They're like, they're in separate buildings, whatever. Um, but I had a complete opposite experience flying with, especially because Georgia is, strange outlier in the region in that it's very european it's a, sc- a very christian country it's a very white country um i was like wasn't really no one paid attention to me <laughs> i just wandered around uh worked like there for a few weeks and and just felt at home really and then i flew to mumbai had to deal with you know carrying the huge bike box and everything and uh was suddenly staying in not in central mumbai but in Andheri, just by the airport and north of the airport and um just yeah, dealing with the attention that you get in India was pretty hard work. With like minor jet lag and and um, yeah, my flight was overnight, so I just had no sleep for a night and it took me a while to get back to that. Um, and I made the mistake of going to some tourist spots on my own, which was just an absolute nightmare. I just like yeah, I I my the I was sort of I went to a few sites and just couldn't stop anywhere without being you know offer things to sell, taxi blah blah, blah and then. Um, do you want to go on a tour here, this kind of stuff. can of have a selfie. Queue starts to form, and then uh, the thing that got me the most was I went to the toilet in the station, and um, as I come out, I pay, go in. As I come out, there's a guy there stops me, starts saying ten rupees, ten rupees, and he's literally standing under the huge sign that says one rupee for the for the toilets, and I just <laughs> just flipped me off, and I just got back on the train and I never went back into to downtown Mumbai on my own. I always went with people I was staying with or just stuck around Bangra or Bangra, which is the the sort of the media district of Mumbai, which I thought was much cooler and a bit bit more chill than the sort of tourist spots personally. Um, but now after a couple of months, I've got more used to uh, as much as you can, the sort of hassle. And, uh, and weirdly, I, I find that I actually prefer being away from tourist spots because people are a bit more genuine you do still get like people asking for selfies a lot which is a weird experience and uh, i've made a policy where if i'm stop if i'm stopping anyway i'll take a selfie but if i'm riding like people will pull in front of me in a moped and try and get me to stop so they can take a selfie and in those situations oh, uh, it's not on so um otherwise i'd just never get anywhere <laughs> which i think was alex experience in the podcast last uh, last week but um yeah that was a real real shock i have to say um, and I've noticed it a bit more again coming over the border into Goa in Maharashtra riding in the rural villages um, I had no well I had no qualms really people were just a bit confused about what I was doing and why I was why I was on a bike and wh- where's my why wasn't I not married yet you know um, but as soon as I got across the border into Goa ev- there's all the tourists and no one everyone's you know they've seen and seen as many travelers as they ever want to see in their life and so they're more interested in the fact that you are, are a walking, uh, walking pile of money potentially for them—that's that's my Indian experience so far.
0: So it's interesting. You kind of you're not that keen on the whole tourist thing, but also when you're the uh, uh, for want of a better word, the freak um, yeah. comes with it. Comes with other things. So you're, you're either getting hassled for money or hassled for selfies. Yeah, um, and you've had a bit of a taste of maybe what celebrities must have to go through.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I heard people say that it's uh, yeah, it's not yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely manageable, but it's it's does it doesn't help like sometimes you just wanna After a week of, of like cycling along you just want to have a meal in peace But um I don't know I, I haven't found it as bad as Alex again last week. He's he had a real uh, Real bad time like in the northeast of India. He said that he was really just like getting really annoyed about like just group just being swarmed basically by groups of people, but uh, I've not had that experience. I've only had really nice, friendly people, like maximum of like ten people coming and chatting to me, and and um, yeah, I've not I've not had a major uh, issue with it, and I've been able to find places to eat lunch where no one really seems to mind or, or pay attention to me. But that might be because I've just been on the tourist highway between Mumbai and Goa, which is quite a common trek i suppose so maybe once i get away from the um the more trodden highways and roads i'll uh, yeah
0: yeah okay so what are we what, let's move on swiftly because how are we doing i think we've done about 30 minutes already nice
1: yeah we're timing it up aren't we it's a good uh, it's a good it's a good uh, a good chat I think that one thing that we we had a failed podcast because uh because I've sort of been sampling the co-working spaces in, in in Goa particularly and I found one in northern Goa which had great promise it was like a co-living space as well so it's this amazing four-story building with a swimming pool and uh restaurant and private room rooms on the top of like with a uh, views over the fields and like 5 minutes to the beaches and but uh <laughs> Unfortunately, it failed at the first hurdle, which was the fact that every day without fail, there'd be, the internet would go down for at least two hours and I'd be tethering off my phone or there'd be a power cut. And I think last time when we tried to do this, I, the internet was down and there was a power cut. So I was sitting in the dark trying to, uh, trying to call you. Um, but we see- had a lovely
0: chat, though. We had a lovely chat.
1: Yeah. And, um, and you
0: know what that reminds me of? I might have told you this story before, but probably not on this podcast. Um my dad lives on a, a beautiful island uh, called Sikihor, and he has a guest house that he's built up and um it's like 10 steps to the sea, totally untouched. Um, you know, you can go snorkeling, you can go diving, it's always calm, everyone's super friendly. Um and uh I got there and I was trying to kind of improve certain things, do sort of t- he he's got solar panels all over his roof. And when there's nice. a, a power cut, of which there are regular power cuts, <clears throat> he has it so that these lights come on automatically. So he's basically, the solar panels are charging a battery all the time. Lights go off. And so does um, the backup. He, yeah, he goes. But I was like, let's plug your Wi-Fi into that as well so that you know you and your guests can still get Wi-Fi. O- over there, it's just like a little you know router with a, um, a SIM card in it, and it's basically doing 4G. Um got there and then found that the the internet was getting like like just ridiculously slow at a certain point in the day. And mm-hmm. um, I was complaining to the provider and they were like, no, you've used up your daily allowance. You have like an allowance of this much every day. It's like, I think it was like five gigs or something. So then I I started to like, you know, get, get my kind of investigative hat on. And, and I was trying to work out who is using all the, all the Wi-Fi. So I was charging. I was changing all the passwords. I was giving my dad that a special connection. I was giving um, the family another connection, and then all guests had a different connection. And like, I was trying to work it out. And eventually, I tracked down the culprit was me. Uh, so my, <laughs> my computer was doing backups was in the background. I wasn't aware it. of. So it was uploading constantly and like just just rinsing the allowance every day. Oh, so right. as, as soon as I realised that, and just kind of switched it off whenever I wasn't, you know, switched the internet connection <laughs> off. It it was fine. So uh oh, man, yeah. I've got
2: a tool
1: for you then which might be useful because I had the same problem because because here I've been and also in um, in Turkey I was using 4G a lot and it's amazing in a lot of countries that I've visited so far, 4G is better than the Wi-Fi. Uh it's true, it's true here in India as well. But um uh but I'm so on the phone, obviously you've got like um uh well I suppose it, it kind of limits stuff based on like you you can limit whether it downloads stuff on Wi-Fi or uh, yes. Or mobile yeah. on a lot of apps, right? But on the Mac, it's such a big feature that's missing. But I found this app called Trip Mode, which I think costs a few pounds. But I've I've bought it and it's awesome because it I, I'm not quite sure how it detects it, but it detects if you're using a mobile connection, even if you're even if it's um like a Wi-Fi you know hotspot from your phone, and you can set it to like it basically it de- denies all apps access to the internet by default. And then when an app, app tries to use the internet, it pops up and says, do you want to allow uh, Spotify oh, to use the internet? And so you check the box. And then next to that, it tracks the usage of each of those apps, which is awesome. So um, I've been using that non-stop basically, um, since I bought it. It was well worth the five, 10 quid that I spent on it. Um, but it's definitely well, it should be on the map. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we, we should put a link to that in the, in, underneath this video so that people can go and check it out. And then yeah. we sell trip mode that we've picked them up. And, then, um, and, and, and if you want to go to trip mode, click here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I think we've discussed it on a previous podcast. I really believe in, um, if there's something you find that's really good, bigging them up and then telling them that you big them up. And yeah. uh, if they if they want to provide some form of sponsorship or free yeah. premium life membership or, or whatever, then Speaking they can- Speaking
1: of but, other I things, know. I just dropped my other interesting my other interesting tech new purchase on the floor. Um, this is slight tangent, but uh, I think you'd be interested in this because I'm sure you could find okay. really use of this. Ready? Should I reveal it to you? <laughs> I'm going to reveal it. Here it is. This is um, the SanDisk. What's it called? Extreme Portable SSD. Right. Right. This. Oh, I haven't brought my hard drive with me, but um, you can use my hand as scale, right? So hard, like a, a 3.5 inch hard drive. I've been carrying around this. Um, Seagate drive for the video backups, like a terabyte drive the whole time, and it's like massive, right? And if I'm on a bus or just even here and I need to take a call, and I lift my laptop up, it disconnects. It's really a pain in the ass. But I heard about this on some other like video guys' YouTube channel, and it's, um, it's, it's one terabyte of, uh, yeah. of SSD storage, and it's um, USB-C, so on my MacBook Adorable, I can plug it in directly. I can literally just hang yeah. it off on my charging. It, it uses my charging cable. And um, it's lightning fast. It's the same speed as, like, the internal disk on the thing. So I can edit with it. I can upload files on it. And I can export the Insta360 video straight onto it without without it taking ages. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real revolution, I have to say. And I'm probably going to, like, at some point chuck the or send home with backups the physical hard drive and just use this, or you maybe use two of these, maybe get a 500 gig one because they're, they're relatively expensive. But- um, on,
0: how, much, how much are they?
1: Uh, I can't actually remember it. It's about two, 250,000 250, rupees or 25,000 rupees. It's about 250 pounds, I think, to get this on Amazon, just got on Amazon here. Um, That's
0: a lot of trips to the toilet. A lot of what? was it 10, 10 rupees or one rupee oh it is a... yeah yeah it
1: is yeah <laughs> oh, so absolutely so,
0: so it's, it's relatively expensive but it's um yeah. it, it's fast it's uh,
1: reliable it's um yeah it's a revolution man i have to say because yeah hard drives are just just awful they're just really really bad like i've been using that one and it's just so sensitive the number of times it just ejects itself at random oh it's always right in the middle of a massive thing as well when i'm when I'm exporting like a, you know, like a, uh, those, one of those slow TV things overnight, it'll just, you know, at some point in the night, it'll decide to eject itself. And,
0: um, yeah, I know, I know your then, pain and actually you're so very, night. very, you're very, very lucky that you haven't corrupted a drive because I can remember mm-hmm. losing everything off of my, um, what was it? Off, off my Western digital, um, They did those drives where you could put your name on a little lcd screen on the front and i I loved it it had like a yeah had a firewire connection and i remember if someone had put it to sleep in the studio whilst the firewire was connected i thought it was off because they'd shut the lid unplugged it and the next time i tried to put it in everything corrupted everything gone no way of getting it back i think that was because of the firewire connection but Yeah, like that. That was the point where I really started backing up properly. So um, you're probably it's probably good that you're sending back that other drive, and it's it's a way of kind of, well, assuming it makes it home. I I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I'm also uploading um, the stuff that I've finished editing with, like the archive files, to like Amazon S3 at the moment. Um, It can can get a little expensive because you pay per month per gigabyte, but uh, for now it's. It saves me. Well, just saves me. Full stop. Yeah, <laughs> because I have, yeah, I've run out of space otherwise. Um, but yeah, that's my. That's the slight video, video tangent. We haven't done any live streaming talk for a while, so I thought that would be a good one. Um,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, have you seen that Insta three hundred and sixty? have brought out this new Insta three yeah. hundred and
1: sixty
0: X. And guess who already yeah. has it? Do you know who already has it?
1: Does Peta already have it? No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes he does Uh, does. and of course it's amazing according Uh. to him um so now i'm just trying to work out who'll buy my one
1: Uh, (laughs) what is what does uh, he say is the actual difference because it's weird when you look at it the specs are the actual uh, megapixel of the cameras um so the insta 360 is the three 360 camera that we we use for live streaming um and it's also for. it's like
0: two gopro lenses one either side you can attach it to your phone, or you can uh, and live stream with it, or you can film independently, and um, it's it's very good quality. And what is good about it in particular is the software is quite intuitive and relatively good compared to all the others. Ben has privately told me that GoPro's software is total <laughs> shit. Um, he obviously didn't use that word, but um, the the only thing with the one we have is you do see the stitching software is very mm. good, but it's kind of got that line when, so if you pan around, when you choose in your edit mode afterwards, what the viewer sees in the 2D, uh, not 2D, in the kind of normal uh, flat, flat, flat view, yeah, um, there will be a point where it's stitched and that's now super clean. I think the software's just got loads better. Um, the frame rate is much better. I think um, on the specs, it looks like the pictures are not as good, but in fact they come yeah. out and look better so the hdr to so all these kind of stuff is is just everything's slicker and better and uh you can have you can put other batteries in it you can like you can switch batteries for it wow um, there, there's there's a few things i stupidly watched a youtube video without checking the comments first i would always urge anyone before you waste your life watching youtube videos just scroll down to the comments because i watched one that said do not buy the Insta360X until you have seen this video. And then watch <laughs> this guy with, with relatively rudimentary um, English talk about opening it and telling me everything about <laughs> it and then showing a few videos of himself, but then talking more about how great it is at parties without showing any footage ah. from parties. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the first comment underneath was um, the title of this video is very misleading.
1: Um, There's so, a great uh, channel for 360. I've forgotten what the name of it is, but I'll try. I'll, if I remember, I'll put it in the in the, so notes. Yeah, it's it's, in um, the description,
0: and uh, you can you can go to it here now <laughs> in this corner.
1: <laughs> I'm not adding cards uh, for all of those. I, I don't think you can unless I'm. Uh, I think I can only link to my own stuff, uh, or maybe I can link to oh, yeah. social, other channels maybe. You can, you can, but I think only a certain
0: number of times and t- you tend to do it at the end, don't you? Like you do it at the beginning or the end?
1: Oh, and you can't, yeah. And you can't link to a- externally, that's it. Until you verify your channel, you can't link to external sites yet, but that's coming, um, yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah, well, um, Insta360X, where's yours?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, yeah, the megapixels are smaller. But um, I think what I, from what I've gathered, from what people have told me,
2: better
1: quality, better quality sensors or something. So even though the overall image size is for photos is smaller, like it's still the same resolution for video, but it's higher quality and less. Because in the comparisons that I've seen, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's like a little bit more um, soft, especially in low light. The Insta360 is compared to other 360 cameras, and um, that's kind of slightly important for, for maybe some of the videos I do while cycling, but not too, not too critical. And I think they've also decreased the distance between the two lenses. It's a lot thinner now. So that should hopefully help with the stitching because if the cameras are closer uh, to the, right,
0: right, right.
1: there's less overlap that they have to stitch together in the software as, as far as I understand. So, um, and now have you seen the Nerf uh, attachment for it? No. So obviously in the previous one, we're getting really deep now, but in the previous Insta360, um, it came with a bit of fishing wire and you'd screw it on to the bottom and you go into bullet time mode and you whip it around your head and then it, it sort of, you stitch it, um, how do you do it? So it, you export it as like a slow motion with the camera facing in because it stitches yeah. 360, so you can literally look back down where the bottom of the camera yeah. is, which is wild. Um, and so you're like standing there, like next to the Eiffel Tower, or whatever, and the camera's zooming around you like this. So the new extent, the new um, like add-on that they have is literally like a Nerf football, and so it's a Nerf like a flat Nerf with its tail, uh, like the tail fin for stability, and then a hole, the shape of the Insta 360 One X, and you pop the camera in. And then you go into that bullet time mode and then you throw it and you've got like a flying through the air slow motion (laughs) video
0: i think yeah i think that i to be honest i zoned out when this guy was doing his video but he had something where he was showing you that i think it's probably that but you could make it look you could get drone-like shots so i think he just threw it up in the air and then stood there and it's then coming down so it's like yeah yeah uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's loads better, and I want to sell mine. So, if anyone wants to buy a normal Insta three hundred yeah. uh, and sixty,
1: yeah, one, or if you want right. to buy two of them, shipping from India, not yeah, included. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is people see what I post, and they're like, "Did you?" The people are asking me already, like, "Did you use a drone? Like, how did you do that? How did you do that?" And I remember when Peta lent me the previous that the Nano one that they did, mm-hmm. and I was just taking photos of it and, and twisting them and stuff in new york and people people just love it they like they are great they're a great opportunity to be creative and and it is a yeah. really a really like i had a problem while i was in japan with it and i complained to their i think they're, they're chinese and i complained to the support team and they wrote a new piece of so- a new version of the software specifically for me and <laughs> sent it through and wow. then they were like is it working are you, is everything okay and and like i, I don't That's know good. why it was not work it was like an iphone kind of issue but um yeah, like, can't I can't recommend it enough. I think. Um, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. My my only um, grumble was that I I filmed my ride out the whole thing from Buckingham Palace to uh to like through Big Ben and Tower Bridge and everything, and then uh, I used the app because the apps are really good. And I pressed I selected the videos and I said import into local camera whatever local camera folder. And then it said, it did the percentage thing, said file, uh, file transfer complete. And so then a few days later, I wiped the SD card. I went back to the iPhone app and there was just nothing in there. So I lost the entire ride out footage. So my advice is to to like export the actual files from the SD card, which is what I do. But the iPhone yes, app- That is, exactly,
0: that is exactly what I did wrong as well. Yeah. Like it, ah. my, the reason I had to rewrite the software is because it got to 99% and then it looked like it had completed but it just timed it timed no out and get, it, it ah. crashed at 99 percent consistently and then they 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 updated the software but um that was yeah. the same yeah yeah they fixed it sorry <laughs> sorry that's not going to help you at all yeah late but, too
1: late. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, as as i think you said to me before it's like it's more uh it's more um
2: reason to come as- back that
1: return yeah exactly yeah People have to come and see me ride back in through uh, across Tower Bridge, across by, past Big Ben, and me outside Buckingham Palace in however many years it takes me to get back there.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it's also quite a good story, almost to compel everyone to come out because you're like, yeah, I, I the, the the footage of the ride out. Is uh, yeah, yeah. this so, is yeah. Even more important. Like, yeah, you know, I missed all of you so much. Come and <laughs> see me weep tears of joy to return back to. To the, the UK and, and you know London that I've missed so much because the rest <laughs> of the world really doesn't have that much to offer. Is what I've realised in
1: these yeah.
0: three years I've been travelling,
1: <laughs> meeting loads amazing. of
0: really really average people and uh, with no stories <laughs> to tell and
1: um, Having no fun at all. Yeah,
0: no fun at all. Like uh, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, so what else do we need to cover? If we how how are so, we doing?
1: The, uh, the biggest other thing, which um, we were gonna talk about a couple of weeks ago, and I did, uh, I did one of the few uh, actually edited blog posts about, was the fact that I've got back into the music tech game with a new, a new business, which it has been on the works for a few months, actually, since before I left, uh, and the guys that I'm working with have been working on it for longer than that, but uh, I've just publicly announced my involvement with Send Music, which is my new entry or our new entry into the music tech startup world
0: so i want an elevator pitch i want you to put it in a nutshell for me so i understand it I've, I, we've just got in the elevator the doors have closed yeah yeah
1: yeah i'm gonna oh. do an elevator pitch here so it's a good it's a good uh good rehearsal so basically the core the core um product of the recorded music industry is music files these days right so uh, i don't have the number which i was i'm gonna get for friday but there's a lot of music files being moved back and forward between the producer, you know, the label for approval, working with other producers, working with collaborators, then uh, sending it off to the to the um, distributors, to the music platforms at the other end. And so, Send Music is basically a tool to manage transferring, sending that music product, the the recorded music file. So right now, it's a simple file transfer service. Um, we've got. A lot of the uh, Radio One key players on there because uh, one of my co founders, or both my co founders, work for the BBC, um, Kamal and Powell. And uh, yeah, so we've got Mr. Jam, uh, Jam Supernova, Benji B, and a lot of others. Uh, and they've listed send music in their bios so they can be sent to music from uh, fellow producers or people that want demos played in the show or PRs who they know and they want to send their files to. But that's just the beginning, really. We want to become the tool that, that solves file transfer problems in the music industry. So um, that will be the next announcement is what we're coming up with uh, for, for those particular use cases. Um, but for now, we've got send.mu uh, for which everyone should check out and sign up and, and give it a go. And uh, yeah, keen to hear some feedback on what, what the next use case is really.
0: So, so right now it's basically running like an equivalent to WeTransfer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's similar in terms of we transfer. Um,
0: is there a limit to the file size? Because we transfer charges after two gigs.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no limit in file size. So there we've got that advantage. Then.
0: That's it. Yeah. Like we're
1: <laughs> Obviously, yeah, that may may not always be the case, but uh, but yeah, at the moment the the functionality is relatively similar in terms of um, file transfer uh, that we transfer does. But the advantages that we have in the speciality. Or the specialisation that we're going down is that we can really um, add features that we transfer would never add, because they're you know their the, their goal is to be um, the the platform for sending files in whatever creative field you're in, <clears throat> or even outside of creative fields. They're kind of obviously focusing towards creative fields with their acquisitions that they're doing lately, but um, with with our real focus on music, um, and we're going to real really. Um, We've got an unbelievable trello, trello board which is a funny thing to say but um, we can really nail down uh, the features that each particular character in that chain that i mentioned from the producer the label um, to the publisher to the distributor um, we can really nail down what they need and build a product specific to them that we transfer would never uh, it's never worth their while building in because their audience is much more broad
0: yeah. So what you have got a player in there? If I send music, someone can yeah. just play it. Within that's there.
1: the that's an addition to addition to we transfer. Yeah, we have previews. You can have you can set files to stream only, <clears throat> and you can set the expiry time. So if you've got a um, a track and you just want someone to, to be able to play it for uh, only to stream it, not download it, and you only want them to have it access to it for twenty four hours, you can just send them a streaming link with us, and uh, it'll disappear magically after the time. I think for us again, for music, it's. Uh, working in all different sides of the industry now i think um it's security and you know uh keeping exclusive exclusives is a pretty big deal for everyone um, that we work with so security and privacy is really uh important for us and again that's something that will um we'll be able to uh, launch more specific features on above and beyond re-transfer.
0: So <laughs> can, so can you can you track who ha- who has listened to it or downloaded it for the sender and give them a report on that?
1: Yes, yeah, so right now we let you know if someone plays your track and if someone downloads your track um, or your, whatever other files you have in there. But uh, we've got all the data in there. So, um, and as we bring more and more people on the platform and people register as senders and receivers, um, then we can do some really interesting stuff there. So like, um, yeah, if, uh, if you, um, if you send a file to to one of the DJs like on our directory um, you can see if they actually have opened it or not you can like see if mr. Jam has played your track or not which I think is pretty uh, pretty an amazing thing to be able to to see uh, and vice versa if you're sharing like a demo out as a PR um, or even as a producer yourself you can see and you send it to 20 to 20 of those DJs um, on, on Radio one around there you can see how... Oh, those uh, who's played it, who's worth following up on, that kind of thing. So yeah, there's some, there's some cool options around there. We're, in the new year, there'll be a lot more to see um, in terms of new, new and exciting features there. But it's awesome to be back. And it's a real difference from the Chew days, I have to say, <laughs> running, a, running a sort of a brand that's focused on um, just like growing massive and, and um, building a tool that's free for everyone to use like uh, like Chew. Um, was uh, such an amazing thing, but it's very hard work. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, <laughs> no one was paying us to do that. Whereas SendMusic, essentially, as a business tool, there's more, uh, more options there for, for stuff that we can actually create enough value for for our customers to, uh, to, to build a subscription off the back of it, really. Um, but still, at the end of the day, meet the same goal of getting more awesome music, more awesome creativity out into the world
0: i'm sure you're a, a little bit um older and a lot wiser and um you've uh, you you've probably you've probably d- turned down a lot of opportunities since chew tv I'm, I'm assuming
1: yeah it's an interesting one where we've had this conversation a little bit about the video work that we do which is kind of like um deciding on i think it's in, almost as important once you once you're uh, once you're lucky enough like like me and uh, like us i suppose to to have being offered work and have a lot of options for how to work i think it's important to know what uh, what thresholds to set in terms of you know what what you should charge and what you should say no to and that kind of thing and it's really hard because when you come from a world of not having any work and just really working hard to like to show your face and get known and and um, get people interested in working with you it feels so weird to sort of turn work down in some respects. Um, but
0: yeah, no, knowing your worth it's that, it's that supermodel thing of like, you won't get out of bed for less than a grand a day or, yeah, you know, yeah. what, what, whatever it is, it's kind of, um, yeah, I totally agree. But the, the crazy thing is, is you start to realize really quickly that, you know, you, you don't need to win all the jobs. You could mm. win half the jobs, but if you're charging four times more than, yeah. than you would for all those jobs, you do, half as much work for twice yeah. as much money exactly that. but I mean I must say you've got so many amazing contacts that um I think yeah it's, it's one of those things where you've got to be able to deliver to a high standard um you've got to be able to adapt but you've got to have the contacts if you you can have the first two and if you haven't got the contacts you're not mm. making any money you know like yeah how you get to your market or your customers is so vital
1: yeah and that's strangely that's the thing that i i think i underestimated the most about about building chew because obviously you know if we, in in our dreams at the beginning days of chew we wanted to be you know to grow it to to, to like mix cloud size or something or soundcloud size and have it at, like maybe twitch size and have it as this this massive community and um really just change the way that that DJs and, and artists in general can perform online. Um, and I, I, I've, I've talked about it here and I've talked about it in other places. It's really hard. It was a really hard time for me personally um, when that didn't turn out and when I left, left, left the company that I started. now. Uh, um, but then, but the thing that I really underestimated that came out of it is just all the people I met over that period of time. And I didn't even realize the sort of connections that I had until, off the back of it, until it's not like I'd been actively like networking, uh, but just by being in the business and just trying to get do interesting things with interesting people, you build this trust that you, without you realizing it, um, for when you come onto the next thing. So when I announced Send Music or my involvement in Send music, I should say because Kamal, um, Kamal is the OG. Uh, we um, the response I got was was amazing from. Uh, a, a whole range of people that I've worked with over the time in shoe, and some people that I've not not worked with for four years, five years since the early days, really uh, came back supportive and, and are trying it out and um, are going to get involved in this new project. So, and there's yeah, potentially some other other bits here and there, personal projects that I'll, uh, I'll launch along the way. That I'm hoping will have a similar response. So it's an amazing thing, amazing response from just trying trying something and getting out there. and
2: <laughs> hearing, uh, the
1: timing
0: can be key as well can't it that's the thing it's like if you if you get the mm-hmm. timing right you can almost you can almost make a bad idea um still work and i'm not i'm not in any way saying either of the concepts are, are bad but i think a really great <laughs> idea a really great a really great idea with um bad timing can can not not work so um yeah that 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 can really uh, be a problem
1: yeah yeah and it's uh, <laughs> with uh Send music compared to chew as well just looking at the looking at the numbers of both um at the same at the equivalent points in their life um it's so uh, the reason i'm so excited about this project is that uh, Send music project is that the numbers we're getting now just in terms of registrations and uh activity on the platform have well exceeded where we were with chew even like six twelve months ahead um uh, of, of where we are now, and a lot of that is down to Kamal and, and Pal and the, um, the connections they've got with, with the BBC and the DJs that are on the platform using it now, and the fact that we're in some quite hefty Instagram bios and, and Twitter bios, but also just having yeah having those guys build the um, build the sort of huge lists of who to reach out to and really manage the feedback, and then me going out and um, putting out to my list and um, having those guys to back me up there. It's, yeah, it's the feeling I've got now about SEM music is so much beyond what I had at the beginning of Chew. So it's interesting to be able to kind of balance those feelings out, I think.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's really great. I mean, I do feel like for me, and I'm showing my age here and probably no one, half the people watching, listening won't get this, but for me, two TV was um, the, it was a very much a Betamax uh, <laughs> concept. So it was superior in many ways to the eventual market leaders, mm. but it just for whatever reasons, timing—you know, like the fact that the market leaders had more contacts, more scale, whatever—you know, like I think with with VHS and Betamax tapes, um, I think the VHS guys they had connections with the movie um, houses and 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 like with Hollywood basically. Yeah. So all the movies were coming out on VHS, and they were coming out quicker. So you go to a video store to rent a video and like there'd be a tiny amount of stuff on Betamax and a whole load of stuff on VHS. And Mm. I feel somewhat that Facebook went, Oh, we're going to do Facebook live at like a certain time when Chew was making really great headway. And then it's just like, it just, it just kind of, there was only so far you could probably take it. And I think,
1: yeah, well it's interesting because even, uh, even now, um, Going back to Chew uh, every now and then to check on how it's doing, the the numbers are still r- really good. I mean, obviously it's not Facebook Live level, uh, and it's a, it's so impossible to compete on the level of those products just because, you know, they have they have everyone every like every day is already opening Facebook, so they can just put that even without the bus stop ads that they had. If you remember that um, a few years ago, they still have just everyone's attention ten times a day or whatever the average is they
0: are but, definitely trying to they are definitely trying to charge though for anyone who goes live they're trying to they're trying to charge i mean you really, still can't, they um that you still can't boost a live video as it's live uh, but they're really trying they're really pushing hard and they are i'm sure that'll come yeah they're massively restricting the reach that you get with live videos particularly obviously as a fan page and yeah and i know everyone hates it and everything but we have to step back and remember that Facebook is providing a free service and they're going to want to make their money somewhere. And it's just, again, to my age, it reminds me of dial up internet when yeah. everyone, everyone had this concept that dial up internet was free and that the internet is free and I should yeah. get up internet with AOL or uh, Waitrose or whoever it was. Everyone thought, oh, it's got to be free. And when people started to be charged, they, they were so offended and so outraged and then, after a little bit of time, they kind of came around and they understood that they're getting a better product, they're getting a better service. You know, I just think that people hate on Facebook for stopping that, stopping them from accessing their audience that they have built up on that platform. Whereas it's like, yeah. people, you can access them, but you're just going to have to pay some money.
1: I can see I mean, that. It's, it feels like a little bit of a bait and switch. And, and Facebook just does it reliably now. They'll launch a new product. It gets massive organic reach, like video, live streaming, a great example of that. And then they gradually crank down the organic reach and like increase the boost post thing, which is a great business model for them. I think for me personally, that's why I just I think artists should have platforms that they have much more control over. And it's interesting to see um, to that's see. Because like, building, that's
0: because right. you were building websites for Yeah, Yeah. For, yeah. Well,
1: but the things like, if you see, watch like, things like Patreon now, and even, I, what, I was watching a video before this on YouTube, a Vox video, and it prompted me to subscribe, to pay money to Vox, and like, I, this, is, this is what you're talking about. This is the sort of subscriptionification. if that's a word, of, like, of everything now. Um, and I think that's interesting because it, it's great to see how art, like, for there to be new routes for artists to, to be paid, and creators to be paid more broadly. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see like, cause I've already got a bit of subscription fatigue. Like I subscribe to one to two people on Patreon. One's actually a two user and one is, um, um, one is a podcast that I like, uh, and you get an extra podcast if you like one extra podcast a week, if you give them $5 a month. So, but when I get to like Vox and they're asking me for $5 a month, and then I get to, um carl like carl rock or whatever any other other every other random youtuber like tucker got all the, t- all these other youtubers are charging a subscription like i think i think people will get they'll they'll get fatigue
0: have you cancelled any, any patreon subscription <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: no not
2: not so that far will be,
0: that will be the tipping point i i only subscribe to one i only have one patreon subscription and it's with eugene s robinson who's definitely the most intelligent guy that does a podcast or talks about um uh, mixed martial arts is what i'm, I'm really into oh yeah Actually, yeah he,
1: yeah
0: he always makes a way of referring to the nazis he's very well read in history and stuff and he always mad and so everyone always comments on his videos like they'll put they'll write the time when he first mentions the nazis nice
2: each one of his things is that godwin's, law, is it?
0: godwin's law exactly yeah. the longer oh, yeah. the longer an online discussion goes the closer the was the, it. The likelihood of someone referring calling someone else like a Nazi yeah. it comes to, to the number one. But um, yeah, no, he's really good. But what's interesting is I don't listen to him as much now, but I'm still giving five dollars a month. Yeah, In fact, I think I give like five dollars per podcast he puts out. Which and he was doing stuff like pay ten dollars and you can have a twenty minute phone conversation with me oh, and wow. stuff like that. And I was actually thinking, shit, I want to do that and then have a ten minute conversation that I record.
1: And, then, <laughs> and put that, it out with your own podcast,
0: and then sample <laughs> it, and then yeah. put it out as um as a record, and then send him it and say I made it because he's he's also he's also the front man of a rock band. Is it like a uh, a black guy a front man of a rock band? And I I can only think of like uh like two band maybe two bands that um have like black front men in, in rock. So it's uh, wow. interesting. Um, huh. have we got anything else to talk God. about, or should we wrap up?
1: I think yeah we should wrap up with uh what is it puncture watch and dump dump watch that's not the right term is it <laughs> but we've gone through what i've dropped this week um, and i've only been on the road for five days so i got one puncture in uh while i was cycling around in uh, in northern goa but apart from that uh nothing else new to report and to
0: remind everyone which tires you
1: use
2: <laughs>
1: i use these Schwab, I don't know how you say it, it's German, I think, but Schwabler, I, I say, <laughs> Marathon Plus, I think the these are like, below. yeah, yeah, oh my god, god I'm not, <laughs> oh of notes. but um, yeah, those would be my, if I had a, I don't have any sponsors, but if I had a sponsor, I think those would be key there, because yeah, I met these guys, these record uh, tandem guys, and they, um, they have having so much trouble, they were on the tandem version of the bike, the, f- the one the model above my bike and they'd had um break broken gear cables like hundreds of punctures broken spokes they'd had to fly in wheels from across the across the <laughs> world it sounds like a nightmare so there's a few people that a few brands that if i was going to go and reach out to, to get sponsorship i i have my list of trusted bike parts i have to say but so far i've avoided the uh the gear posts too much but you never know if i get if i get enough requests i'll do the standard this is what my bike setup is for the bike nerds out there
0: well for anyone that doesn't really understand why you wouldn't take all this amazing money that these sponsors are throwing at you <laughs> it's, it's usually a case of um the demands that they put on you is to like post this post that do this do that you end up the, the tail starts wagging the dog right like you're yeah you're, you're traveling wa- <laughs> the world and for yeah.
1: and for and and you and basically in a lot of cases the, the I mean the brands that I've been offered so far have been relatively small but you know you're for in terms of like for free kit which in bike terms the most expensive thing that on my bike is maybe the gears which is like six hundred five hundred six hundred 500 600 pounds but for for that amount of money it comes back to the your what's your price up conversation we were having earlier um, you have to then work for them in terms of creating content for them sharing with tagging them in posts Generally, there's a contract around it from what I've heard of like certain level of, you know, I have to do, a certain, commit to a certain level of posts and that kind of thing. Personally, I've got enough work to do right now. I, I'd rather buy my own kit and uh, build up the brand that I want to build and then, uh, all the brands that I want to build, I suppose, and the businesses. And um, then, you know, be in that position of power to, uh, to, to use what I like, I suppose, and not have to work for someone else. I think that's a big message. For Especially
0: seeing as you're running three startups now, Um, so yeah I mean I mean and also one thing I love about send music is it tells you what it does in its name
1: yes yeah it's interesting because you can tell that I haven't come up with the name of that one because um, I've sort of the projects I'm working on some side projects at the moment which I may talk about in the future I may not depending on how they do but um, (laughs) (laughs) they're in very much in the uh, in the we're not even in the MVP stage in the sort of trial idea stage but I just I find that I've got a habit of naming stuff based on single nouns and verbs, you know, like chew as a company yeah. name. I really I really was really inspired by that. It was quite even though it was really hard. It failed lots of tests in terms of how easy it is to to speak to, to tell a DJ like over a crowded bar. Like, what is it? Tune? Tuna? Tune? Um, but I really like those words. I like just single word names, to be honest. Um, I don't like. Lees, Bit. Lees. I don't like Ists. I don't like um, all those weird domain names. I don't really like.
0: Did, did you say that you'd read Shoe Dog, the memoirs of Philip Knight, the founder of Nike?
1: Yeah. So you mentioned it uh, literally when we've had this attempted podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah. And since then, I've absolutely lapped it up. So I'm, I'm not quite finished it. So don't spoil the ending. <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, I'm 90 percent through. Uh, through, so, so like issue. the first uh, half
0: the first half of the book is just him running an importation business basically uh, selling other people's yeah. trainers um but that when he comes up, if you've got to the point where he comes up with he comes up with the name nike right
1: yes yeah
0: um it, it's this complete shit show like you can't yeah. believe how like you know how, how ridiculous like everything was even the swoosh and all, all of that like he he kind of holds his hands up and says like if the other guys hadn't you know really put their foot down um haha uh the you know it might have been called yeah, it would have been was
1: called it, like i don't know it was like new boost it something, it like Unit 4 or like
0: something something really awful um
1: but i think yeah. what that shows as well is this really interesting thing which which i um which i really learned with you as well is that um the it, which is a real core i'm sure if you if you study branding or or you're involved with branding in any actual professional uh, context you know this It's like lesson number like 101 probably but the um the brand is not like the brand name in itself has no um, like no very little kind of innate value um and there's there's obviously downsides if it's like really hard to say or it just is yeah. really long and like hard to pronounce there's negatives there but generally as long as it's like an easy thing the brand's not like by itself the name itself is not important the the value of that brand builds over time and over recognition so like chew has no like people would ask us what does that mean and realistically the story was that i had a site called eat bass for which again has no real reason behind it i think the idea was that it it digested music into this feed that you could listen to continuously and uh when i was looking for a uh, a non-bass music specific company name i thought eat base. i was literally googling synonyms of eat and chew and all this, and chew came up in that so i registered chew.tv i uh, paid like i think i paid like a few thousand pounds for that which is which is crazy because it wasn't there's was nothing there really at the time but um, uh, but and then the the equity came over over time to the point where now you, it doesn't happen a lot, but occasionally I get that really brilliant moment that creators get to have, where someone like recognizes your thing, your name, your brand, independently of you having to to um, to say them or tell them that it was your thing, which is really satisfying. Um, but it's yeah, the value comes from just re- people associating with it, using it, learning about it, hearing it, like being involved with it, whatever it is. Not the name yeah. itself. That's the same with Nike. Like he goes on in the chapters that I've read recently. He he's gone on like he really didn't want it to be called that and he was really uninspired by it and still even like months and months later he really was like regretting it and all this kind of thing and then obviously it's like yeah it's it's one it's the probably the one of the strongest brands in the world alongside coca-cola and i don't know what else is up there really so um
0: Um, i i I do love one thing i really do love (laughs) and it's again showing my age but um he doesn't mention reebok at all in the entire (laughs) book And um, I know Adidas is the big player before and and there's an amazing story about the the history of Adidas and the two brothers that started it but um, it's like yeah so it's so funny that like when I grew up you were either either wearing uh, Nike or Reebok and um, Adidas is kind of secondary but but he doesn't mention it at all and that's not yeah
1: well that's that's Um, actually number one in terms of media strategy Um, you don't talk about your direct competitor; you talk about your that, with that that's why, like, yeah, we never in two in like the two days we never talked about Facebook Live or Twitch music or whatever. You know, you just yeah. you define yourself by your own rules, right? But that is interesting. I didn't really know about that. I mean, also, Adi- the, he'd obviously, yeah, he friends Adidas and Converse at some at some points as like the big big players, like the big yeah. the the Goliaths, is that right? But um, yeah, but, and Ad- Adidas
0: Adidas and Puma. Um, uh, yes, run yeah. by brothers. They run. That's a, he doesn't talk about it at all. But there's this an amazing story about like his two brothers. Like well, Adidas is the big one, obviously, but then another the one broke away and did Puma. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, it's been great chatting with you and catching up. I feel like yeah, I feel like we've done that thing where because we had the we had the live stream that we that the, the last <laughs> show we tried to do we couldn't do because of power cuts, um, intermittent internet. And I can't remember when the show we did before that was, so I don't know if I've updated you publicly on Japan and stuff or not. I just no, imagine. no.
1: Yeah, I'm okay, intrigued. We'll,
0: we'll save it for the next time.
1: Yeah, we'll go. We'll start um, with the Japan update.
0: Yeah, well, I might have more news on it <laughs> anyway. But um, <laughs> I did get to, I did get to do a live show on Domune, and Domune is the the, yeah. the platform inspired me to do Hoxton FM and to go and, and do video and it was a real great opportunity to pay homage to um, yeah. the, the the main man uh, behind it whose um, name I now can't remember which is gonna be really embarrassing but I really remember when I stopped thinking about it
1: um, so you so you went to say if you don't want to get into it but you went to the Tokyo dance music event right was that why you were why you were out there specifically event,
0: Tokyo dance music event doesn't technically it doesn't exist anymore oh, okay um it was run in parallel with mutech uh, tokyo edition for a year or two and now ah. mutech is just totally totally doing uh, everything there and i have to say mutech was amazing um digital art festivals um, were invited from all over the world and i learned about lots of really other interesting ones there's one called art today in the hague that i'm going to go and check out Nice. Um, they take over amazing spaces um, like, like this old pier um, in the Netherlands and like they just spent three weeks just cleaning inside the, the structure and then they did all these um, installations and all sorts of things. Um, I made music with my brainwaves at Mutech, nice. uh, there, there were visuals and stuff and I've got, I've got a video that I can show you. Um, I was kind of there to to further build more links and stuff. I'm working with um a, a, an analog rotary uh, valve powered mixer brand that's got a London designer built in London by him by hand. Um, it's called Super Stereo. I went over there with a couple of those. I only came back with one. Um,
1: <laughs> that's a good ratio. And, uh,
0: I've just left one I've actually just left one in Amsterdam in an amazing record shop called uh Zwarte which means black gold um and uh yeah amazing amazing record shop really cool cat there as well uh, it's like a was it the the
1: what British, a little cat um, or a cool
0: the cool cat and a cat um the there's the, the, look, check out my Instagram and you'll see some pictures and some stuff uh the, the cat is called Duma, which means smoky in Turkish. Nice. But uh, very, very chilled out cat and the, the owner's super cool guy as well. And we're, we're going to do, I mean, it looks like we're going to be doing live streams throughout um, Deck Mantle, ADE, all this stuff. We've got a base now to do some really cool stuff um, and not just DJs playing, but there, there will be DJs playing. It's but we'll time. do some, some cool interviews, some cool workshops also sorts, all sorts of great stuff so i'm i'm super excited about all of that um i can't remember why oh domin was amazing i think i'm going to be back doing another one in february in tokyo Sweet, um, i did maybe spend all my profit from selling a, a one of the super stereo mixers on analog gear like <laughs> uh, 80 synthesizers and stuff yeah you've uh, got to fill uh, that
1: suitcase space right on the way back
0: oh mate the, the Technically I was about to get on the plane and they wanted to charge me $1,200 because my hand luggage was 23 kilos when it was meant <laughs> to be seven. Um, nice. And they said, that's going to have to go in the hold and you have to pay, I think it's something like 70 or $90 per kilo or something. Yeah. Something. yeah.
1: Well, that's in what I had ticket. to do with the bike. Like I had to pay more for the bike than I did for the actual entire ticket. Cause it's yeah, charged yeah. a kilogram It's nuts.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy and um i still haven't got my case back uh, it's a really really expensive case to ramoa um that i in theory i got to save my back from doing myself injuries from carrying records around but yeah. um the thanks so much to um my interpreter uh, uh, mio who i met at mutech um she luckily came with me to the airport because i was running so late that i was going to miss my flight if i caught the bus and so she showed me how to get the train she wow. was there um, I took all my broadcast kit and put it in like a, um, a, a fabric bag and, and weighed it on, like basically I went out like that. I, you know, I, and I'd already posted this one synth back to the UK, which is still making its way back to me now on some ship, some shipping container. Um, I, I, you can get into Japan, you can take the piss in every other airport in the world, but do not take the piss in a Japanese airport, because they will weigh your hand luggage. They, they will measure it. Yeah, mine, mine is ever so slightly too big, but everyone else lets you go. Yeah. So I took out all the stuff I really needed from this case. Uh, I weighed it, it was nine kilos, and the Japanese are super, super strict, and the, the lady was very kind to say, no, that's all right. And then whilst my interpreter, Mio, was talking to her, saying, oh, is there any other way or anything? I was shoveling more stuff into the fabric bag, uh from my case so that i ended up getting on with about 12 or 13 kilos (laughs) nice um, in this fabric bag and uh and then mio took the case and uh we have now it has now been posted back to me um but yeah it cost it cost a bit of money but i I bought some amazing records there i I met some amazing people i got to properly see asaka kyoto um I went to Nagano and I trekked up a mountain to go and see snow monkeys, which weren't there. Um, I saw the autumn colors or the beginnings of them. Um, yeah, built some amazing links. I, I filmed some amazing content, none of which I've put up. I've kind of held back on it. And <laughs> I'm now in a really interesting position where because of my contacts, um, I'm looking at uh, who, which media outlets want to brand the content I've created as their own. So I've been doing these, these Wax Hunter shows, live streams from shops in places like Barcelona. Um, but when I went to Japan, I realized that that's a big intrusion into um, quite kind of formal people who are quite shy. So mm-hmm. I realized that with the 360, I could walk into a shop, walk around talking to you know, myself or to the, to the viewer, um, pick up a few records, say what I loved about the shop, admire their amazing like clip speakers and, and like valve powered yeah. amplifiers and stuff and um usually my guide would have picked out their favorite record um and the guy behind the counter would pick out their favorite record and I I not have to that formal
1: record. interview they
0: would do like punchy one or two minute 360 videos from in a shop nice. and show the, the viewer hey this is a place that's really worth checking out and and some of the places that i found like they they just don't list themselves you just can't find them interesting like really like the lesson i learned from my previous visit at the beginning of this year compared to this visit i was looking for japanese artists rather than just trying to find stuff i knew i was trying to really broaden my horizons and learn more and and um that really paid dividends And, and just revisiting somewhere makes such a difference the second time is so much better and i I always said this about doing a a radio show or a tv show on hoxton fm Um, your second show will be twice as good as your first (laughs) yeah you're just a bit more familiar you kind of know what to expect you know what not to do um so yeah that's japan in a nutshell for you mate um i i spent a long time uh, transcribing and translating the two interviews i did one with brother a, a frenchman who currently lives in leeds who i met at the beginning of the year when I was digging in a record shop in Osaka. We ended up filming the interview in Technique in, in Tokyo, and, and it's such a nice guy, such a great guy, with a huge fascination of Japanese uh, house music from the uh, 80s and 90s, and also a really amazing homegrown artist called Sasaki Hiroaki, who mm-hmm. I interviewed at um, a record shop in Osaka uh, that has its own um, pressing uh, vinyl pressing machine, uh, of, of course. course. Um, And uh, yeah, the interview in English with a Frenchman was all transcribed and then translated into Japanese. And the other interview, we had an an interpreter. uh, And basically, when I aired both of these on Domune before I had a mix with my friend um, Groove, uh, not Groove, um, uh, what does he call himself? I'll call him Nick, it's his real name. <laughs> um, the, uh, everything had to be understandable for the Japanese audience. Mm. So we went to great lengths to get everything done correctly. And then I found out that you can just load it up onto YouTube and it will automatically transcribe it.
1: It <laughs> automatically translate it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is yeah. an editable file, which you can then um, translate literally into japanese and then you need you need a japanese person to go through it and make sure it's not too literal yeah yeah break, but you break the back like 80 percent of the work can be done in an automated fashion um
1: that's amazing i've
0: got a lot better at using adobe premiere uh which is good because i've got a lot more uh interviews to edit and um yeah it, it it was an amazing amazing experience um
1: so is this stuff for the hoxton oh, you said that you you filmed these interviews for dom U. are you is that some i originally linked to the, or?
0: I, I originally filmed the interviews for me and then i realized it was much more interesting to give some of them to Domu you to, to put it on dominion and yeah. to show them that um what i can do um I got on really, really well with, with the founder. He's a, a such a unique guy. He lectures at a local university on video. He he has a particular uh, visual mixing style. And he it sits in the back room, but he talks to you like he's God. So he has a microphone, and he'll just talk from the back, like over the like when you're like at a certain point in the broadcast, you just suddenly hear these these like questions, and you'd be like, uh. So it, but he he never he never likes to be seen on camera. Any photos yeah. you see with him. He's like kind of covering his face. Yeah. So um, really, really unique guy. And like, he's just put his whole life into it. And, and I really identify with that. Um, you know, like, like Hoxton FM was my baby for six years. Uh, it still is a forward movement that is now broadcasting from all around the world. Mm. We don't have a permanent studio. And I see how much he puts into having this amazing space. Um, he's got a massive Function One club system, or Martin Audio Club system in this much smaller space with a little bar wow. he charges a charge to get in you buy drinks at the bar you, you buy a t-shirt you know you buy the merch um to, to show your support and he has crazy viewers i think when we were live we were like seven thousand viewers or something wow which is just so uh, amazing and he doesn't do anything through facebook it's it's all through their own uh, their own thing i think they use youtube actually but mm. um we had the opportunity to to simultaneously live stream through uh, through all our platforms, which included our Facebook Live. So you can check that on the Hoxton FM Facebook. Nice. Uh, we are still using QTV. TV. It did go out through Q T V TV as well.
1: Awesome. Good
0: uh, to the opportunity to put it out in higher quality um, without any worries of copyright is uh, yes. you know, too, too good to turn your nose up at, really.
1: Um, Interesting. So is that what the plan is for the for the coming months is to to kind of put that international content out through hoxton fm just all the channels or have you got a new any new strategies around how what you're going to get out when and where And
0: i've got a few ideas i've got a few things on, on my mind and and i'm not in a rush to do anything in particular i think it's great to have um all sorts of different projects on the go like the working with the rotary mixer guys super stereo being able to um basically customize each mixer that i put my hands on and then find a specific person that i think it will suit apply all the knowledge that i've gained from um from from running the station and dealing with you know 100 different shows a month each with their own guest dj each with their own little nuance or foible um i i know what a mixer can do should do and now i'm kind of inspired to start maybe building a prototype of my own um with a few kind of geek, well, nerds, really, that I've, that I've met who really have great knowledge.
1: Um, nerds. Quality.
0: Yeah, who really know, but they really, really know. Like, um, there's a lot of people who talk, I think, because I decided that I'm going to make my own studio here at, at my place, um, I, I've realised have making music, I've always done it um, with software uh, samplers and synths and stuff, everything in the box, pretty much uh with whoever i collaborate with we tend to use some of their stuff but i kind of realized i was losing the musicality and the the, the tacit kind of hands-on thing so when i got out to japan and i started to see all these mint condition <laughs> bits of kit i was like right i need to know quickly what is good and what is bad and as i asked more and more experts and people and, and put it out to the that like, no one knows anything they, Like, and, and i had to just go to these places like 5g in tokyo is like a museum that you can touch everything and just play with everything and work out what was good what wasn't and i quickly discovered a few of these there's, there's one um keyboard that was synth that uh, massive attack used for a lot of their classic bass lines and when mm. i found out about it i then mentioned it to people and they were like yeah yeah that's really good you should get that and i'm like why didn't you tell me when i asked you <laughs> in the beginning and they're like oh you didn't ask i was like tell me which synths are good so I was finding all these kind of secret weapons and and stuff. And um, so, are you going to
1: keep that, play that forward, are you going to keep it secret? You know, going to tell us?
0: I'm I'm in two minds. I think I think I'm going to. I think that as my my friend Nick, uh, Groove Patrol is his DJ name. He's very kind <laughs> of right. the in, yeah, exactly. That's why I got it wrong. It's so close. He shouldn't copy Groove Rider. Um, the the uh, he said to me, if in a year's time you have all this kit and you still haven't finished any tracks he he's basically going to really chew me chew me out on it um, yes yeah so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna write some music i'm gonna get it done i i'm i it seems inevitable that i'm gonna start a label and, and put some some records out uh, myself i have got some more stuff coming out on subtatic and a few other labels um so i i'm, I'm just trying to push my creativity into the areas that i'm really keen on so uh making music, pressing music, uh, probably building some sort of um, DJ mixer. I'm, I'm already traveling around with this case um, with, with the Super Stereo in, so wherever I go, I kind of um, have a little toy to show off to all, all the other beats. Um, uh, yeah, the, the Super Stereo have a four channel mixer that they're beta testing now that, that they want me involved in, which is great. Um, I'm uh, I'm doing a lot more DJing. Uh, I was I played in uh, I played in Prague as soon as I got back from Japan. I had a few gigs in Japan. There's more coming up when I go back there. Um, I, I think I'll be back in the Philippines, taking my dad home and um, probably play out there again. Um, yeah, there's lots of stuff. i play- I've got a DJ mix that's going to go out on Pioneer Radio next week, so in between Christmas and New Year. Big Man. shout out to strange Strangeways uh, and uh, Left Back. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm just trying to do me, Ben. I, yes. I, I, I kind of, That's I, realized, the uh, thing. I realized I made a platform for people to um, pursue their dreams, but I actually wasn't pursuing my own dreams. And I think that I meet a lot of interesting people, so I take the opportunity to interview them whenever I can. Um, I, I, I'm actually doing more kind of journalistic work for, for other people, people that do parties at certain spaces, I'm writing the interviews for their headliners. Um, so I'm kind of doing that and I, I just feel like I'm accumulating the content, editing the content, having it ready. Um, I've got a couple of uh, podcast ideas that that I'll probably will do. I mean, one is probably going to be a book. Um, it's going to be called You're Doing It Wrong. Yes, uh, you're doing it wrong. It's- it's the art of breaking bad habits, basically. Nice. So uh, from from how you search for things, whether it's in the, the real world or online, uh, through to why you know all the 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 New Year's resolutions never work for you, you know what, all, all these things. It basically it's none of that bullshit self help. It's it's like <laughs> real stuff, cutting down to the nitty gritty, and and um, we'll probably do that as a podcast to begin with to to get some of the content laid out but then expand more in a book um and i'm also really keen on this connoisseurs club concept mm. which is people who know something about something sharing yeah. that with other people who want to know It's trip advisor is shit because if i want to know where a good coffee shop is in gran canaria when i go there to do a live stream um and a whole bunch of people tell me that x coffee shop is great all i learn from going there is that a whole lot of people don't know what great coffee is <laughs> yeah. so I want you know, I, I want people who really are passionate about what they're talking about to tell me about it, not just some Joe off the street going, yeah, yeah. yeah in this, in this cafe is great.
1: Quality um, ratings, not quantity. Yeah. Curated in a way. That's interesting.
0: Curated. Curated. Exactly. And um, yeah, there's some other stuff as well. Uh, I'm really into, it's probably a dead word to you now, but uh, um, I'm really into all these these kind of projects that are disrupting, that are kind yeah. of going against the, the, the norm and, and doing things. In a better way um that, that yeah that rocks the boat basically um yeah. there's a few projects that are connecting um not just tech but it's like academia with uh real corporate applications um without the need for, uh, without the need for subsidies so to speak so okay. um there's there's a few things and and they always want me involved because of my live streaming um but I think the thing I never really play upon is that um I, I have, you know, I have a business degree with a marketing major from a top five business school in this country. Um at twenty five years old I was the youngest chief exec of any chamber of commerce in Britain. Um I helped a lot of people start their businesses, grow their businesses. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of uh, really interested in a in a lot of these concepts and projects.
1: Um Yeah, it's interesting how those two areas kind of rarely meet but it's amazing when they do i think there's a lot of people that are in the creative space in the music world that don't necessarily have they'll, they'll, a lot of people have the same kind of background and the same attitude towards it so it's interesting when you get get those two separate experiences and kind of smash them together
0: it's funny when you meet other people that are no longer doing stuff in the music arena <laughs> and they're doing so much better in another arena and uh. you kind of you kind of like you both kind of nod do the, the knowing wink at each other like oh yeah <laughs> you're you're here as well you know so uh yeah it's good it's, it's really good I'm, I'm really excited about everything coming forward i, I don't want to go on too much about it um until i'm actually doing stuff but yeah uh, there's 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 lots of interesting projects and um for anyone that asks me again um uh, in no i cannot see a time when there will be another hoxton fm studio
1: <laughs> you don't want I to never don't never never. pay rent every month though.
0: never never say never and um we do have an amazing we do have an amazing team uh um,
1: what about if someone ran one for you would you would you, would you consider it then I, well, I, have, uh, you know,
0: we, I have a dozen producers that i trained up and, and a lot of them are very keen to, to, to get it going again but um, i don't have the time if someone wants yeah. to come in they want to come and talk come and talk to me
1: they'll don't realize how hard it is to sort of manage the actual the non-glamorous parts of the studio right <laughs> being there at, uh, <laughs> at two in the morning when someone's a no-show for uh, for their show uh,
0: there's there's a there's a lot of things i think a lot i think the, the saying you don't know what you've got until it's gone is probably hitting home to quite a few people um, <laughs> i i i also think the whole the whole horizon is changing and there's a lot of there's a lot of great stations out there um i would shout out nettle radio obviously the 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 bigger guys like um worldwide um nts um you know boiler room is still doing stuff um love them or hate them you know i I don't really Mm -hmm. have an opinion they've pushed things so far that that it's, it's great but um yeah i mean i mean what I don't want to keep doing the same thing i've got so many exciting things that i'm now pushing myself into yeah. uh and um yeah you know gentrification continues whether we like it or not uh, <laughs> we don't we don't have a studio now there is a hole in the ground they're still building some luxury flats there but oh, of I'm course sure yeah. will, be, will be better for it and um i'm sure the new residents will not enjoy um crackheads uh shitting in their in their footwell uh, <laughs> That's something I don't need to clean up anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the know, gradual and, march. And,
0: yeah, and still doing live streams from from lots of really cool, exciting places. Um, you know, from giant robot in Canary Wharf to, to you know, with an amazing uh, view and amazing food and you know, street food and drinks and stuff. Um, there's, there's all sorts that we're still doing. It's just I think people love that cozy, comfortable, reassuring. Permanent space,
1: yeah, um, being there every week, having the community around us is, is easier when you've got a physical manifestation of it.
0: But as a, as a nomad yourself, you understand the benefits. Um, yeah. as a part time nomad myself, uh, <laughs> I feel that um, I can have a bit of both basically.
1: So, Fair yeah. so and uh, so I've got the Hoxton FM as a featured channel, I think is what it's called on my channel. So, if you go to Click on Ben Bowler somewhere there, and Hoxton. Ben, FM right. ben yeah, Bowler, and yeah, exactly,
2: find yeah. everything.
0: Find your blog post. I'd love you to do a blog post at some point when you have time, which you never will, <laughs> uh, on just your your top tips on bikes. Like, like, I, I would love. I think it's a nice update thing. It's like, um, if I was st- if I was doing this all again, this is what I would. You know, the the ultimate kind of. Obviously, you've got yeah, post, yeah. You got a personal affinity with the Grand tourer that the frame that your dad gave you on your was it sixteenth, seventeenth birthday? Sixteenth
1: birthday, yeah, yeah. It's my real freedom thing, i say, yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, but beyond that, obviously, you would never get rid of that frame. But beyond that, you know what we're, yeah, blah blah blah. blah, blah. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just that thing. It's something I'm really passionate about. Is um, just, just always reflecting on how would I do it differently if I did it again. Um, and I'm always trying to glean that information from people. So I I was at a friend's studio and there's a guy fixing the Technics turntables and he had an amazing soldering iron and an amazing, um, multimeter, like a voltmeter. And I was picking his brains on, on, you know, and he was like, yeah, these are really good. Make sure you go for this. You can get it cheaper if you don't get the power supplies, all this stuff. And, um, I can give you the,
1: I can give you the video that you want. (laughs) For you on bike on on p- building the best touring bike, that could be my expertise that I can share. I've definitely exactly. thought about it every time I go up a hill. I do occasionally think about what what the dream super lightweight bike would be.
0: And then and then you'd be part of my connoisseurs club. Um, exactly, I'll be there. You would the have access to other, other connoisseurs stuff. I think I'm going to have to kill the connoisseurs word though because it's so pretentious. <laughs> but um, it's
1: pretty pretentious, yeah.
0: It's like enthusiast, isn't it, or like. Um, I don't know. Like, like you, you want people that are really enthusiastic about something and have bothered to find out more than uh, the layman. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, so yeah, I think what the non pretentious word is for that kind of person. That's the problem. Can we We, uh,
0: we did. Uh, we, did uh, we did. We did a brainstorming session. and We did come up with it, and I, I can't think what it is at the top of my head. it's club. Um, no, I don't <sighs> but I, I obviously because I've stopped thinking about it, I can remember. Okawa San is the founder of Domune. Ah. And That really was um, uh, a highlight of the year, possibly of my kind of adult life. Like to to go and do that, and um, it was very difficult to to say a sentence and then wait for the interpreter to like say it and then say another sentence and everything. So yeah, if I go back and do it, I'm gonna I'm gonna really like um, I'm not gonna speak Japanese, but I'm gonna be a, a, get a your better. question in
1: Japanese. Yeah, well, it's funny. we I,
0: already I, luckily we'd already recorded the the interviews, but I I want to just add a little bit, have some more interesting content. Yeah. Um, I am going to obviously do some sort of video on um, how to make the most of your visit to Japan. Um, yes, yeah. So so there are some things, there are some really great things that I know now. Um, like you can get their equivalent of an Oyster card. Um,
1: yes, the Suica, is it Suica?
0: You can get a Suica or the other one. I got a Suica because it had a cute penguin on it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Cute in Japanese is kawaii. Not uh, to be yes. confused, not not to be confused with scary which is
2: kawaii
0: ah that's interesting don't 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 look at someone and smile and think you're calling them cute and find out that you're calling them scary
1: (laughs) Um, i'm just saying scary yeah
0: yeah i I had a few of those um there's uh senpai kohai which is the senior the senior person and the junior person and it's this relationship that the japanese often foster where the junior person must do everything that the, the the senior person tells them to do and they must be subservient and obedient but the senior person must look after them and usually pay their way and, mm. and and help them out. And it's a very interesting uh concept that it happens here, but you know it's it's, it's much more um, uh, steeped in tradition in in Japan. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I put it mixed up, so I said senpai kanpai which basically is like saying cheers. campfire uh, is cheers. <laughs> uh, nice. Everyone pissed themselves laughing. They went actually, that's better that's that's better um, you coined
1: a new yeah, phrase right there
0: i won't be teaching any i can give a few little words and stuff a few sentences but yeah um, oh, the, the trouble with every other trip i've done since uh which is not that many i've been to gran canaria so i was trying to speak spanish and i was in prague doing a gig which i live streamed from a, a boat a, a permanently moored <laughs> boat um, <laughs> which is a, a amazing for a party called circle um shout out to jag karen and rob smile um I kept trying to speak Japanese in these other countries because I'd been yeah. in Japan for a month. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the same. I, every time, once I left Bulgaria, I was, I was still saying den to people in Turkey, which doesn't quite work. But, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, we should but, wrap up. Because yeah, the about important
1: about last question is: What is that globe behind you? We can finish with that.
0: This is one of my favorite pieces of art. Um, I don't, oh, I don't know the girl's name. Maybe. Um, this is a map of London no
1: way how does it fit on a sphere
0: well it's this artist and I can't remember her name her name is uh, I think it's uh, it's like Kajan K-J-A-N if you look her up Kajan artist she has a lot of stuff um, on display In you can I think you can even buy prints um, in the VNA. In their gift Um, shop, she's got some amazing stuff. She does like butterflies that are made out of all this sort of like cut out little bits. And um, I think uh, annoyingly, I think Coldplay's new album um, has her work on it, which which really ruins it. But um, a few a few years ago, uh, uh, a girl who was on the station, um, uh, what's her name? I remember her name in a minute. Uh, She was working at Paul Smith in. Marleybone and she said you should come down to the shop they got some crazy reductions and I get my staff discount and I went down there, and I couldn't find any clothes or anything I liked but they had that and nice. she got me some crazy reduction I I think I don't know what that's worth now but it's worth a lot no one come and rob my house but um,
1: <laughs> yeah I'll say it's here, fine.
0: Paul Smith were trying to sell that for like 500 quid I, I didn't pay anything like that but it's my favorite piece of art that I've got um and she's a really talented artist and i think she's she's doing really really well now other from the coldplay album cover um,
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. it's funny that could go one or two ways couldn't it well yeah
0: this this means um uh live on air yeah yeah.
1: you should have that up yeah you should roll it up now because we're about to go not live on air. (laughs) and my
0: and my my whole place is getting turned around it's modular now so i can move everything around but just reconstructing it all so that I can have keyboards and stuff in place and mixing desk. <laughs> I, okay, awesome. I had this wild idea of having two DJ setups so I can have broadcasts from here with DJs battling and stuff, and I've completely abandoned it? That. No? one really good one. Okay. Um, but uh, you'll have to come and check it out in a few years when you're back.
1: Yeah, yeah, when I'm eventually back in London.
0: <laughs> it might actually be done by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, nice yeah, so uh, yeah, it's good to catch up, man. I am yeah. I'm still a little bit worried that we've missed a whole chunk of stuff because we had our kind of power cut-y 4G. Yeah, thing yeah. Out. So,
1: no, I think we've got most this. of it. I think what um, I'm interested, well, next time I will have had a, a Christmas and more importantly, New Year in Goa. So I'll be able to review the latest Psytrance parties in, uh, in Goa for you <laughs> and maybe chat a bit more about the music side of things uh because i've been i've been getting around um to some places while i'm here and and in mumbai as well i got to, to an interesting music event and uh, to listen to some interesting acts through a connection with you it comes full circle but yeah we'll get one in in the new year i'm in in january i'm heading off on the bike at last uh because i've been working a lot <laughs> with the whole that st- st- music thing and not cycling a great deal so in January, I leave and I'm heading to the southernmost tip of India via um, Kerala and the tea stations and the backwaters and a few more beaches. And then I'm heading up to um, through Tamil Nadu to my next stop, which would be Auroville, which is this slightly hippie alternative commune slash intentional community. Because that's something I'm going to start kind of reviewing a little bit more and talking about a lot more on my, on my uh, edited videos, hopefully as I go, which is about alternative living which is something i'm interested in as a whole other topic um but yeah i'll we'll book a podcast in we'll get it on live on uh youtube live scheduled and also i'm going to be a traitor again i've got a couple of other interviews lined up um they're not confirmed yet so i won't announce them because as soon as i announce it like i did with this then something yeah and then it'll take it'll take weeks to come but i've got again just through through people i've met on the road and connections like friends of friends uh, I've got a few other crazy adventurers that are uh, interested in chatting. So I'm putting some questions together for them and I'll do some podcasts like this. And then yeah, wherever I'll be next, Auroville, Chennai, Bengal, Delhi, we will uh, we'll speak again and we can uh, catch up properly.
0: Excellent. So We should need a um, sign off.
1: We never worked out a sign off, did we?
0: Well, I was gonna say, just to summarize, cause you should always give people links at the end. Yes. Um, but firstly, you're using a new mic
1: today, right? I am, yes. I'm using, well, I've had it for a while. Again, actually, this is a gift from Kamal before I left because we were, were. We may have a Send Music podcast at some point, but uh, it's a Rode Smartlav mic, but I've had it for nine months since I left in May, but I've not been able to use it because um, I haven't got an audio desk with me. I've got a lot of stuff with me, but on an audio desk. But uh, I've bought a few little things off Amazon as I've gone along to try and get it working. And finally, I, I dropped the extra few pounds for the official Rode SC6, which is, looks backwards actually on my screen, but I'm not sure it's backwards for you. Um good for me. Which is finally letting us use this uh, lapel mic for slightly better sound, hopefully. So that'll work yeah. for the interviews <laughs> and it'll... I hope, uh, I, hope like, I
0: hope you like my... Uh, I'm always trying to improve mine, uh, yeah. m- my side of, the, of this thing. Um, you haven't got so. an SN58
1: this time. Let's i've go got ahead. a little
0: bluetooth speaker in my ear so my dad can hear everything as well um, yes. obviously i brought my dad which is more important than that and yes. um i still got the the crazy lighting and, and obviously i've used a slightly different uh shot of the the whole sofa so maybe maybe potentially i can have other people here for our podcast yeah. if they add value but yeah, um yeah. I don't know. I can't think of any, any way to add more value to our amazing podcast
1: <laughs> or so, just otherwise without it going like over the two hour, three hour mark. I think that's the, that's the other danger of adding other yeah, people.
0: I, I think my dad fell asleep twice during this thing, which is a, pretty impressive really.
1: Probably but, on average um, for the, for the viewer, I'd say.
0: No, well like any, any other podcast that he listens to, he falls asleep within five minutes. So we are definitely in his top 10. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so benbowler.com for everything ben Bowler related everyone go and check out send.mu the new yeah. project that is better than let's just go over the top it's better than we transfer i know you're breaking
1: the media the media the media rules you never mention the competitors it's the best it's way. It's better to- than
0: all of them. <laughs> it's better than all of them. They will be out of business within six months.
1: It's the best um, way to share share music. If you're in the music industry, if you're a producer, if you're a DJ, if you work at a label, whatever your role is in music, it's uh, it's a tool that you can use. And yeah, I'm keen to get feedback on. And equally, um, I'm looking for suggestions of anyone that you think I should interview. Um, any adventurers? Uh, yeah, I don't know. We can maybe expand it into music and uh, if there's like if a anyone interesting yeah. really along the road to, to speak to. Comments I will be
0: I, I thought I had someone in Tehran for you, but that never that never came through, oh. it's just so typical. Yeah. But, um, and for anything related to me, I've got a website, danformless.com. There is hoxton.fm. Um, I am gonna put up uh, more blog posts on there, on the hoxton.fm. You can see live streams. Um, the two TV player is embedded on the front page, so the last live thing <laughs> that went out you can see. <laughs> um and i'm going to definitely do a year in review because in preparation for the interview on pioneer radio i started to sort of people like they were like what have you and i was like "Well, wow, i've actually done quite a lot it's just that when you're kind of in the midst of it you just kind of forget all the stuff so uh i, I don't know if you're going to do a, a bit of a year in i review didn't think about something. that yeah
1: that's a good idea i'm currently editing because <laughs> i'm yeah i mean well luckily i i've I had a list of stuff that i wanted to like to do for, for for, for the YouTube channel, and one of them was like, I was gonna try and find someone along the way to um, to come out with a drone, uh, because for cycling, it'd be amazing to get some drone shots, but also paragliding, obviously, it'd be amazing. And uh, luck would have it, like I stopped at this hostel and co-working space, co-living space, and the uh, first guy I meet is a videographer, and he's got a Mavic Pro. So um, I've got an amazing set of shots of me riding the bike down a, like a lane, in the middle of the fields and me flying off the cliffs in Goa. So my end of year might not be an end of year review, but I'm doing a new kind of channel intro as it were for the for youtube.com slash Ben Boulder. Um, that will kind of show a little bit more based on now the last nine months, what I've been up to. The only thing I want to do is film one of those round the world shots with the with the Insta360. So set it up and cycle around it. So it looks like I'm cycling around the world. But um, amazing, yeah, yes. You do yes, do
0: it, do it, do it, definitely. Um, I just think the year-in-review blog post is so great because you can then (laughs) embed or put links to everything and you can really kind of have a one place for everyone to catch up on stuff, which I know is what websites are meant to be, but um, (laughs) yeah, I I think we should set that as our task before the next episode.
1: We'll get our year-in-review blog
0: post. We both have our year-in-review and then we go, link in the description. (laughs) Yes.
1: Deal. Deal. So that's the task for okay. next time.
0: Okay, that's episode five, Ben Around the World. It's a
2: wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs>